Who thought accounting could be cool? Here we go. <laughs> Join Andrew Wolf and Brad Salmeida. Our mission, make accounting fun. Follow us as we chat with amazing guests every Friday. 11 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Mountain Time. Are you ready? Woohoo! <laughs> You like that new intro to you, Rachel? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we've got another amazing guest for everyone tonight. I think uh, our guest this evening needs no introduction. Um, she's now currently the product evangelist and of the accountant channel at Sage. Um, but we've all met her because she is such an amazing community builder, people connector. She's amazing at helping tech companies understand accountants and helping accountants transform their businesses with tech innovation. So thank you, Rachel, for, for joining us today. How yes. are you doing? <laughs> absolutely my pleasure guys good to be here i'm not usually asleep by this time which is what i've joked about before um but i'm usually at least in like a vegetative state so to like be vertical and <laughs> not like just channel surfing or watching something on netflix it's yeah, it's a little different for a friday night so I hope yeah you've got a glass of wine to keep you going so we don't bore you too much <laughs> So I don't because I was afraid if I was if I was drinking and talking those two things for me usually I uh, I get a little over sherry. So um, <laughs> oh come on have a drink that's yeah, the idea. Okay. So it's just Pepsi. Um, but yes, I will I will wind down with with a glass of wine when well, we're we're hoping to definitely get you to to be over sherry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we, to tell you, Rachel. We were going to warn you. You have to have a few drinks before. <laughs> okay so, so no, just, I, it's, just more fun yeah yeah no no i still have to be good sometimes so here we go yeah. sometimes Being recorded right you just have to yeah. anyway yeah I've, I've i've gotten over the fact of being comfortable messing up on camera um <laughs> So I'll share with uh, with with everyone uh, what a big klutz I am and why forty year olds should not ride electric scooters. <laughs> Sounded um, nasty. Why don't you tell everyone what happened, Andrew? Because we all want to laugh at you. I mean, uh, laugh with you. Laugh with me. Um, so last night I I um, I've been doing some work around the house, doing a little painting, touch up, so you can see my little bit of paint everywhere. Um, so I decided after I was done painting that I needed to, I was hungry. I wanted to go out and get some food. So I'm like, oh, I'll just hop on my scooter and I'll zip down the street and I'll, uh, I'll grab some food to go. And I'm out on my scooter. I'm like, wow, this is such a lovely evening. It's nice and warm out and got the wind in my hair or the wind in my skin, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Racing down the street, just having a great old time, turn the corner, start heading up Cape street. And I hit this massive pothole. Um, and I, I, so the scooter stopped dead and I went flying, uh, elbows and knees first. Um, and of course I was wearing flip-flops. So my, Ooh. yes. Yeah. And that's, I think the, like the knees and the elbows, it's a little road, road rash, but it's nothing. Even this 40 year old couldn't handle toes, uh, but yeah, the toes, it like it ripped yeah, my toenail stub up toes. And, and off. Um, it twisted my toe. Like, I guess it hit the bar. I must've hit the bar on the way through and then 90% sure my toe is broken. Um, uh, I've got it all splinted up and I'm hobbling around. Um, and yet I still want to get back out there and get back on it. <laughs> with shoes, maybe this time. <laughs> it might not fit them on very well though with that swollen foot. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and the only problem is I full on broke the scooter. 
Uh oh. Oh no. Yeah. So if anyone knows a good like nine bot repair person. Uh, I could use some tips. Uh, I've been already Googling how to fix it. I think I just have to replace the handlebars. Um, but when I went over the handlebars, you know, it's 270 pounds of pure muscle going straight over those bars. And it just, it ripped the the brake line right off. And so now that's the worst part is I was over, you know, probably six or seven blocks from my house. And now my scooter won't run. <laughs> And I'm bleeding from my knees and my elbows and having to walk by like all these people on Danforth, this big main street. People are like, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, yeah, four-year-old who thinks he's 20, sorry. Four-year-old. Those things are fun. They, they are fun. We have them in Calgary, uh, the birds and the limes, and everyone's been using them like crazy. Like, yeah. They're all over again. I don't work downtown anymore, so I don't get on them as much. I used to find reasons to use them when I when I had a, a co-working space downtown. I would be like, I would schedule meetings farther away just so I could rent a, a, a line they, they and bring a it there. They are fun until yeah. you hit the ground face to, at 30 Well, they have, they have like this much travel. I mean, there's no shock on those things. There's They're not really designed for potholes. And I've seen people hit curbs, never potholes. Definitely not designed for guys who are 270 pounds because mm. I bought them out that little shock that it's got built into. No, it's not a shock. It's just there for looks. Yep. But anyway. Well, I'm glad you're all right, man. That's, yeah. that's crazy. I, you hear about crashes uh, around town all the time. The, you know, the, the emergency room right after they legalized them was just swamped with people oh, crashing all over. So you're, you're, you're almost a, st a statistic now. Yeah, I am. I am. A statistic. <laughs> well, you didn't check yourself in. So yeah, yeah they'll, they'll well, never I, know. I thought about it, but I was like, you know what? The last place I want to be is in a hospital right now. So yeah. I was like, you know what? I'll figure out how to split this thing myself. And yeah, just Google figured, it. Like, well, do with the broke I've, I've had broken fingers and toes in the past you go in and do. all they do is put a splint on it anyway so there's not much yeah. they can do for you right yeah so, toes yeah. just heal on their own is but anyways, what i've been let's, told let's get back to you rachel yeah i, I, wanna, <laughs> I don't have any any good injuries to talk about no, I don't. <laughs> but you did make a pledge recently should that be something we can talk about? A pledge. Sure we can. Sure we can. Yeah, it gets it gets people talking when when people commit to things that they believe in. It's like it, it gets people talking, and I don't understand the, uh, the anyway the chatter. But here we are. Um, yeah. So pledges that you've made. Sure. So um, there's actually if on Twitter, especially if you do like uh, hashtag manals or no more manals, um, there is now now. I can't pledge to, yeah. <laughs> to to prevent manals because if somebody is asking me to speak, that means it's already not going to be an all male panel, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Um, but but what I can do, and and I think this is all coming out of, um, I mean, I, I was gonna uh, mention the most recent, but I mean today, for example, is the sixth anniversary of Eric Garner's death, and so. It's just these constant reminders of of Black Lives Matter, and I know that you guys have talked about this with like um, Nayo and Nicole and amazing uh, women and and like that. So, um, but it's just it's just time to stop talking and start doing. Yeah. And so one of I, you know I look for things. You know what are some of those small actionable things that even I you know stuck working at home can do and be involved in. Um, and so it was, it was simply this um, normal wannels. So if I'm asked to speak, 
It's important that I know who else is speaking at an event or who else might be on the panel. Um, and I think that when people are asked to speak at events or when they're asked to be panelists, it's it of course is a wonderful feeling. Um, in some cases, very overwhelming. You know, depending on the size of event, that somebody would think you an expert enough to you know invite you to share your expertise. Um, but I think that it is also so. First of all, um, sorry, I'm all over the place because I'm so passionate about this. When it comes to diversity and inclusion, I think that event organizers have a huge responsibility to make sure that the speakers, that the panelists, that the attendees that attend their event are representative of what we're, we see every single day. Um, that I think is especially challenging actually in the accounting industry because accountants themselves are very white, very male, especially as you get up into leadership of, of firms even though the majority going into accounting are women and there are a ton of um, BIPOC um, going into accounting, they get kind of weeded out um, very quickly or they certainly don't go up through the ranks. And so there's certainly an issue there, but I feel like if event organizers would be more conscientious and more intentional about who it is they're asking to speak, who it is they're asking to be on panels, I do think that we would start to see a tide in who's actually attending, right? If, if I'm going to an event, I want people to hear from people who represent me and my community and, and somebody that I can relate to. And so um, one of the ways that I thought I could help do that was, um, was to basically make a pledge for no more panels. If I'm asked to be on a panel and it is full of white people, I would far prefer to defer and recommend other people of color or other um, industry experts that might be able to better represent um, a diverse community. Um, and so then it's it's been very interesting to see the comments and the conversations that happen when I posted that, because all of a sudden there is a, well, what if they're not as qualified as you? And as soon as you talk about the more diverse your panel is, the more diverse your speaker set is, you are giving something up in terms of expertise. That in itself is a, is a symptom of systemic racism. It means that you don't believe that there are people of color and lots of you know, diversity and culture that may have the same expertise as you. They simply haven't had the opportunity that you have. And so I'm fully willing to step back in those cases and just shine a light on somebody else and let them have the stage. And so, but it was very interesting. I was accused of discrimination and I'm like, against white people? Like, help me understand discrimination against myself? Like, how, how are you seeing this as discrimination? For me, I see this as giving an opportunity to someone who would probably not have one already because for event organizers to seek out people of diversity, it seems to be a bit, a bit of a challenge. One thing that I did do this week is I noticed that Forward 50, um, which is an event coming up in Ottawa in November, um, they have a phenomenally diverse um, speaker lineup this year. And so to be able to even call out not only those who are maybe getting it kind of wrong, <laughs> or kind of male, kind of white, um, but to really celebrate the ones who are doing it right. And it was interesting to have a bit of a Twitter chat with Rebecca, who's one of the event organizers, who was talking about, we made a conscious 
effort, a conscious decision that we were going to do this. And they've actually documented their journey pretty well on some of the, the conversations that they were having internally and how they've gone through this journey of ensuring that their speaker lineup is as diverse as it is. And that's been really fascinating to me. It's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, I can tell you as someone who's always trying to get guests to, to be on our show. Now, granted, we don't have the cachet of a big event for just a bunch of nerdy accountants getting drunk at 11 o'clock on Friday. Uh, <laughs> but we, we struggle. Like I, I definitely, you know, I think you've seen from past episodes that definitely it's, it's something that I'm conscious of and I want to make an effort to, to help solve, but it's, it's, it's hard to be honest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, ever since we've had, we had, uh, we started this conversation with Jade and Niall. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I've, you know, the whole thing I learned from Naya was, you know, words only go so far. Actions mean a lot more. Yeah. And I, I was out there on social doing my best. I've, you know, I'm wearing my, I, my Black Lives Matter hashtag on my Twitter account, um, et cetera, et cetera. But holy crap, I was a magnet for abuse. Every time I'd put a Black Lives Matter photo up, I'd get people going, all lives matter. And, you know, you're an, you support, uh, uh, Antifa and all these things and it's like you gotta be kidding me to yeah. equate Black Lives Matter with terrorism and hatred and the angry mobs and that you would not believe the abuse I took but you know what I loved every minute of it because that means that the, the, it's hitting nerves people are, are are getting uncomfortable with it and people have to get uncomfortable with it I mean we can sit here as white people and go oh yeah we get it we get it but we don't we haven't put up with it for hundreds of years. You know, we weren't bought and sold. We don't have the same history. We have yeah. to understand that we were different and we have to empathize and, you know, tell two people about it. And, and if somebody, you know, comes at you with the all lives matter thing, be prepared to, to fight back because it's yeah. important. It's those dismissive comments that are really getting in the way of progress. But I'll tell you one thing that, is truly inspiring ever since uh, the, the, um, the Floyd death in, in the States is that it brought it to the forefront. People are talking about it. People are taking action. You yeah. know, the, the Washington Redskins are no longer, that's not even Black Lives Matter, but it's making people realize that, you know what, racism is not cool anymore. So if you're listening out there and you, and you think it's white power, you, you, you've got the wrong audience because well, I think I think there's a certain lack of there are things that if we've grown up in environments with terminology, with sayings, with teams, right? It doesn't even occur to us that it's racist. It doesn't even occur to us the source of you know some of these comments that or um, you know just regular sayings that we've heard over and over again. Um, it doesn't even occur to us that there was a source of that and that the source of that was steeped in hatred and racism. And, and it's like, yeah, it's just a phrase. It doesn't mean that now. (laughs) Okay. But (laughs) that's where it came from. That is the root of it. And, and if getting to the root of some of this stuff and, you know, taking those words out of your vocabulary, is that uncomfortable for you? Right. Then, then it's not just, the saying and what it means now. So, yeah. and I think anyway. 
we get locked up and oh that wasn't my intent and we didn't mean it that way i mean at the end of the day if someone just sits there and tells you you know what i don't appreciate that language that word and i don't care who it is whether it's black lives matter whether it's uh, a gender inequality issue whether it's um anything at lgtb i don't care if someone comes to you and says you know what i don't like that language how can you not have the courtesy to just acknowledge that and go you're right i wasn't my intent, but I will listen, I will hear, and I will try my best to change my behavior. Because I think I think the vast majority of human beings are good people who want to get along. I think that there's this fear that drives people, and, and particularly I think around this Black Lives Matter issue is because we white people in particular feel threatened, right? And they're worried, well, what does this mean? You know, if 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 we can't have Wannels anymore then what does that mean i i won't be able to speak and that comes from a, a you know a, a fear so i can tell you right now i mean i'm willing to to forego spots you know if that means i'm not speaking at the next events um but it broadens that diversity I, i'm willing Absolutely. to do that you know and i think that i can say that because i'm i'm i guess i'm confident enough to know that you know that won't mean the end of my speaking career right exactly. there will be plenty yeah. of opportunities for me uh throughout uh, the rest of my career. And it's not to say that this person is less qualified or more qualified. They just haven't had the opportunity. Right. And that's, right. Exactly. and I think that that's something that, I mean, even we were talking yeah. about this with Nao even back in San Jose. Um, and that's what you sort of said is like, how do you, how do you do that? And I, I think I've been honestly weak on, on doing that, on stepping back and giving other people opportunities, not because that isn't my intent or my desire to help, it, it's really it for me it's falling down on not knowing um who i can recommend or, or refer on like i literally know a handful yeah. of people that i can turn to and those handful of people are now very busy um and does everyone know about nao's conference that she's putting on so if if they don't take this time to share that yeah so it's called sure. taking your firm virtual um, she's doing a whole conference. I think it's August 4th, I believe is the date. Yeah. I should, August 4th and 5th. I should know that because I'm speaking at it on August 4th. <laughs> uh, and she's put together an amazing panel. So, and everyone, I think is, everyone who's watching knows who Nail. I don't know who Nail is because Nile. I don't call her Nail. Yeah. I, I like to call her Mayo or Nail, but I well, know. Well, at least Nile. you didn't talk to somebody that she looks looked like, like her. Like I did in San Jose, she had a twin there, doppelganger cruising around, and I went up and talked to her there, and she didn't have the energy of Nile. She was much more low key, more introverted, and Andrew was staring at me like he knew what I was doing. And she was a very nice lady, but I never called her by her name. I said, "Well, good to see you," and he goes, "You know that's not Nile, right?" And I went, oh. <laughs> I felt like an idiot because you know how it is—that whole stereotype. Oh, I have a black friend. Well. She was, they don't all look she alike, was put Brad. together. I didn't think so at all. I have, I've, I've known many in the past. I lived in Bermuda for, for four years where I was the minority. So I, I do, I do get some understanding of what yeah. it's like to, to it was a legitimate mistake. Foot. Oh yeah. yeah. She, she, she was done up, but it was something was missing because you know, Niall is a, a, is a, is a force to be reckoned with. And she oh, walks yeah. in a room and you feel her. the energy. Whereas this lady was super low key. And she was just nodding and saying, uh-huh. And, and you could tell she didn't know I was, <laughs> I was so, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. And, and Naya I will, and I joke about it all the time. Yeah. yeah. I will say though, Andrew, cause you had mentioned like even knowing people to recommend, 
And I will say that I've needed to find speakers for different events before. I'm sure you guys have as well. Um, And, you know, going through my network, I understand the dilemma of having a very white, very male network. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, it goes back to the industry. And the industry is very white and very male. And so if you're looking for speakers for industry events, you know, it's just this chicken egg situation. But instead of just throwing up my hands and saying, well, I tried, <laughs> you know, but there, I just couldn't find anybody or nobody I'm, applied. I'm not done. I'm not giving up. But what I am asking, and I'm asking the is. community to share with me. I'd love to hear a bunch of, like, throw Absolutely. names at me. I'd love to hear from the community if they know anyone or, like, I'm not, by no means do I say I'm giving up. I'm just saying it's, it's right. hard. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it is. So I understand the challenge. But to me, it was very eye opening to realize that for, I thought I had a more diverse network than that. I thought I I was part of a more diverse community than that. And so it was a bit of an eye opening experience that, you know, however um, diverse I thought my network was, I'm still not doing a good enough job if it's if it's, it's challenging. It's a bit of a wake up call. And I think that that's important for us to be waking up and acknowledging like, shit, I do live in a pretty white community. I do surround myself with pretty white people and and yeah. also mostly men. And like, I definitely, I know it. I'm like, I'm pretty darn waspy. Um, and that's, that's my community. And like, I definitely want to open myself up. I want to put myself in uncomfortable experiences um, and build stronger relationships with more diver- diverse people. Um, yeah. And I grew up in Toronto, which is probably one of the most multicultural cities yeah. in the world. But yeah. if I still think about it, like I'm like my community is still very, very waspy, right? Like white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, right? Um, yeah. and it's not, it, it wasn't by my intent or my design, but I, I guess it, this is the whole point. It, it was by design. It was by design of a much bigger system and structure exactly. um, that we that we have to acknowledge. And I think that, you know, what's really interesting to me is having conversations with our parents, right? Because my dad's generation was a little bit better than my grandmother's generation. My grandmother's generation was a fucking shit show, a fucking down and out shit show. And, it, you know, it was. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're getting a little plug for Nio. <laughs> no, I was finding the link. Sorry. Uh, Alexis, Alexis was asking for a link. So I so. got the link. And of course, you go to the link for uh, taking your I, virtual conference and up pops Nio welcoming everybody to the site. I thought Sorry, she had that. popped in as a guest. I was going to say. No, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right So I will blame that on uh, Alexis. So there you and go. There Alexis. it is. There's the link. Okay. Thank you, yeah. Rachel. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I lost my train of thought, though. So. <laughs> so you were talking about having a conversation like your parents' generation and your grandparents' generation. Yeah, and and what's what's nice to see is is um, my dad starting to open his eyes more and more. Um, I remember when we first I first had a conversation with him about Black Lives Matter, and and a lot of people don't know this, but my my dad grew up very poor, um, and and he went through his fair share of struggles. Um, lived in pretty much one of the toughest parts of Toronto and literally picked himself up by his bootstraps. And his first reaction to this whole thing about um, Black Lives Matter was, he's like, well, I had it tough too. 
And we're like, yeah, you might've had a tough too, but you still were a bar ahead of the guy next yes. to you because you were white. And we started talking to him and be like, look, look at the opportunities that you had. And I just said to him, I'm like, how many people were there in your accounting class at university that were black? I was just yeah. thinking that very same thing. It's like, I was trying to remember when I was articling at KPMG, how many black people were in, in KPMG when I was there. And I can think of one and he was from Bermuda and that's, my connection to the island and why I moved there. It's just not that common in, in our, um, in the profession and university, same thing. Yeah. Well, and as I started to, as I started to have this conversation with him, I can almost see like the little gerbil starting to spin a little. <laughs> George has a little gerbil, does he? <laughs> He's got a little gerbil up there just going, maybe oh you're right there wasn't a lot of black people there yeah. right yeah. There, you know maybe maybe and and i think what was good and, and i really got that out of my conversation with jay you know because when we when we brought when we broke down adversity we talked about the three different levels of adversity and i think where where some people get tripped up is on the individual adversity just because you faced individual adversity you then go, well, I had it tough too. So like we should all, it should be all lives matter. My life. Yeah. That's where that all lives matter argument comes up. It's, exactly. It's because people have faced individual adversity, yes. but they're still not comprehending the systematic um, issues, right? Like yes. the things that are built into the systems. And I know we never even got to talk about the issues around real estate and the way real estate was used oh, to systematically yeah. black people right or apparently it still happens yeah. um, i don't i don't think as much up here but throughout the u.s there's there's policies and procedures that prevent black people from even gaining access to these to these properties yeah. so what people are doing is they're hiring people brokers that are white and is stereotypical white to go out there and do all the negotiations yeah, get crazy. the paperwork signed and then black people are moving into these white neighborhoods and now there's just you know, that you sh that, that shouldn't be. If you have the yeah. means to move into a community, it shouldn't really matter what your skin color no. is. Yeah. It really shouldn't. But I think that a lot of that comes from the belief that life in general is a zero sum game. And I mean, this yes. principle would apply across the board. Absolutely. In order for me to win, in order for me to do well, somebody else has to lose or somebody else has to do more poorly than I. And, and that's the attitude that comes from if you are going to insist on your event being more diverse, therefore, so there will be less ex expertise at that event. And that yeah. that whole attitude, like raising tide rises all rising ships. Rising tide. Right? I, I love it, that. My favorite. Because it, yeah. it, it truly the abundance is, mindset, not a scarcity mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. But that, but that is, that to me is a consistent attitude that seeps through a lot of these conversations is, mm -hmm. and, and kind of goes to the spirit of, you know, what your, your dad was saying about some of the challenges that he was facing. Right. So anyway, just, uh, life is not a zero sum game folks. Yeah. Room for yeah. And that's the thing. It's the fear of the unknown, right? The people are looking at it as well, what does it mean for me? And even some of the the the, the um, narrative that's coming out of the U.S. right now is, you know, these communities are going to black people are coming for me, but it's not that way at all. They don't. That's not what they're trying to accomplish. They just want to be treated equally. Like that's the whole think, Black yeah. Lives Matter concept is they're not being treated equally. They just and want equality. 
Yeah, there was a there was a fantastic tweet that was basically talking about matter being the minimum level requirement. Yes, absolutely. right. Just the minimum. We just want Black lives just to yeah. matter. Yes. Just to, like what if you never felt like you matter? Just to matter. We're just trying to break even here, people. Who knows? But <laughs> just matter, and yes. and that to me is just such a simple basic thing that for anybody to be against that in principle like yes. oh my gosh you've got bigger problems people yeah. well, <laughs> it's, it's selfishness it all comes down to people that get that way you start to hear them speak and you realize it's all about them selfish you know, people yeah because it's that zero sum if they matter exactly. that means i don't, I matter. don't matter and that's no. absolutely not the case at all right exactly so. and that's nope. not what they want they're not looking for supremacy or to be dominant they just want to be like we say it's a break even scenario they just want to be treated the way everyone else is and have the same opportunities so yeah. i guess what is great though is that we do have a number of people in our community who are stepping up like yourself rachel and um who are who are trying to say hey we're, we're acknowledging that there's an issue we're, we're trying to do our best you know we we think black lives matter we're going to do what we can how we can and we want to listen like and we're opening our ears are attuned we're paying attention um we want to do it right we know we haven't done it right uh, unfortunately yeah. there are definitely still some some nasty characters like that 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 one <laughs> that nio told us about that was uh, i mean a just complete gong show oh. um well, Andrew, did you hear about the the drama going on in my community around here? You know, people With the put people up these take ripping down the signs. Yeah, they put these yeah. signs up, and they just simply say "Black Lives Matter," and and a bunch went up. And I, when I saw them go up, I was this was after we had done the show with Jade and, and etc. And I just found. Um, I, it was nice to see that. And I started noticing within my own community here in Calgary, there are a lot of black people living here. And I thought that's pretty cool. You know, I'm, my eyes are open to it. And then the signs started coming down. And then I caught this individual with his kids, his young kids. He had them trained to tear down these signs on command. It was right in front of me. I was like six feet away on my own, on my own property watching this. And the guy just said, screw you, you know, what are you, a freaking communist? And he started, you know, swearing at me. And then I, I realized, you know what, this is a, a deep problem. So there was a back and forth going on. Someone would come by and put a new sign up because it was, there's a Facebook community group here. And I had mentioned something and the sign fairy came and put another one up. Well, that one came down. And then I created my own and put it up. And then the sign fairy came back and put another one up. Those both came down. So finally I put one up and then I, paid, I printed out another little sign that said, you're on camera. <laughs> so it, it has been there for two weeks now. And one of the originals, I can see it's just over here. And I'm, I'm proud that, you know, I, I went to, I just think it's something that people actually care about in this community right now. And there's been other people that say the same thing. Of course, we ran into the same resistance on the Facebook community group, people going into the all lives matter and getting all political on it. It's, it's not meant to be political. It's just human rights. And it's, it's not even human rights. It's just human decency. Yes. Decency. Yeah, exactly. It's the way we need to treat people in this 21st century. I mean, that's old school. Racism is old school. 
And, yeah. you know, you mentioned your, your parents or your dad, Andrew, you know, I look at the, the, your dad's generation, you know, my parents, well, my, my dad um, had a pretty tough upbringing himself. You know, he, he was an immigrant and, you know, he's never been that way at all, but, you know, I've heard people of his generation just say things and you just, it's jaw dropping. The N word might come out or they make a comment, an observation about somebody based on race. And they're quick to bring out the race as an observation about that person. Can't you just describe them as a person? Do they have to be a black person or a Jewish person or whatever? It doesn't really matter. And and you'll hear comments come out of, of, of that generation. I think that's harder on, on people uh, of that generation because, you know, they were brought up what it was kind of normal and now yeah. it's not. So it's got to be a challenge. Well, well, what I also find interesting, so Brad, when you were saying that, you know, your dad was an immigrant, my grandmother was an immigrant. I mean, what family in Canada. Is it an immigrant? Exactly. There's no such thing as a native Canadian. My grandparents were immigrants, but they were still fucking racist. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, like, so, and, and to be honest with, with my grandparents, um, they were, it was more about religion for them than it was about race, uh, just because of their Irish roots and the, the whole Catholic versus Protestant thing. There was some, some deep issues there. In, in yeah, religion. well, you bring them from Ireland where it has been a challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. but the, the, the thing is, I wish I wish that they, they came with some more humility than that. Unfortunately, they didn't. And, and like you said, is like, that was what my dad was raised on, right? Like, that's just what was normal. And the one thing that was so positive and why I'm so proud of my dad is that he can now, he like at, you know, he likes to say he's in his 80th year. 79 years old and he's he's willing to change his spots he's willing to acknowledge that you know maybe he has some biases and that was to me like pretty pretty powerful and like i mean granted like it took it took a good long conversation with both me and my sister like on my dad like (laughs) have to really understand like look like let us help you understand but at the end like and this is the thing that i'm so proud of my dad is that he will listen and he will absorb like because i think anyone who's intelligent and secure um has the ability to change and i think that that's the positive thing out of this is that this might actually be the moment for change it might actually be the change and and that's the only positive thing that that we can take out of this is this might actually be the year in which we actually see some changes to the systemic problems that we have because we finally have people willing to acknowledge it um, and willing to step into it, um, even though it's scary and you know we're not sure where the road is going to take us. Um, and I just hope that the um, it doesn't get derailed um, by you know other political issues and elections and. Well, the news cycle is always so short, right? Yeah. People jump at the shiny toy that's on news and they talk about it and then they move on to the next thing. That's my biggest fear about this is well, that it, it's going to fall out of the news um, in the U S they got the election coming up in Canada. We've, you know, we've got uh, things going on too. You don't want people to forget about it. So that's, that's the key is to continue. We have to continue it because yeah. People, black people have a hard time with the message and keeping it going. And they're really 
you know, I hear a lot of interviews in the U.S. especially where they're super excited that people are listening. They're blown away at the level of involvement of white people in a lot of these 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 protests in the middle of a freaking pandemic and people masked up and did their best to go out there and peaceful protest. I did a peaceful protest here in Calgary and it was it was inspiring for me. It, it lit something in me and it, it's great. So, you know, and polls show that more um, Americans are siding with Black Lives Matter than ever before. So maybe it's a tipping point. I'm hoping it's a tipping point. I'm hoping that it is as well, but I think it does take more than conversation and I it agree. takes action. And if signing a pledge and, you know, again, celebrating those events that are doing well in diversity, um, <laughs> calling and out those aren't. Exactly. Uh, I'm actually really proud. Um, Avalara was part of a, um, a panel and it was four different companies and the person that they were sending um, as, as a spokesperson for Avalara was a white male. But then the person that the other three companies were sending as a spokesman were also white males. And so some of us got a little uh, upset about that on Twitter and called it out. But and, and it, I was I was a little I wasn't, um, how do I say this? I wasn't conflicted because I knew that it was the right thing to do because yes. stuff like this has to get called out or else nothing's going to change. But afterwards it was like, was that too much? Is it going to feel like, is the perception going to be like they were, you know, beat into submission? You know what? We're all smart people. We're all <laughs> um, professionals. That never should have happened to begin with. So if it takes me calling it out, but to see that they actually changed their lineup, guys, it was one little panel, but it was like, I will take that as a win. That Yes, that absolutely. That's, that that's where it starts. Raising the, the awareness of that. Now, should it have been caught at the event planner level? Absolutely. Should, have been, should it have been caught at, you know, those who were invited to the panel, checking to see who else was on the panel? Absolutely. But if it isn't going to get caught at those two levels, I absolutely will put my hat in the ring to call that out for sure. Yeah. Like somebody's got to, right? Absolutely. Sorry, and you've got a big, you've got a big voice in the community too. <laughs> so you have the ability to go out and make noise. People are going to listen well, because they know that. you and they know that you're, you're not going to pull any punches. Um, and that's great. Like, that's the thing. People can't be afraid to pull punches at first, you know, and I was getting trolled and people are calling me names a few times. I was like, Holy crap. And then it just became a regularity that I just said, you know what, they're the problem. They're just, showing how hard it is for them to let go of the yeah. past and yeah. how this new these they, they view these as new ideas they're not new ideas yeah. you it's, know there's been black people have been looking for their rights forever and it's about freaking time that it's happening so people have to deal with it i just i have a hard time with people that have that look at change as a bad thing. I don't know. It's just the, the way I am. And in our community, when, when right? yeah. change is, is a good thing, you know, technology has helped everyone in so many different ways. So social movements need to move along too, right? That kind sure. of change. The only constant is in life is change. Exactly. Change for sure. But, but it does get uncomfortable. If, if you are the one that benefits from the status quo, then, then it will be uncomfortable. And a quote that I heard that I shared on Twitter, which it, it hit me, um, and I'm reminded of it often, where it's not up to the people who weren't included 
to fix the inclusion problem, right? It's up to the people who have been doing <laughs> the not including to yeah. fix the, in the inclusion problem. And so um, actually one of the projects that I've been working on, which is really cool, is actually on accessibility um, in terms of diversity and inclusion. And there's lots of legislation that's going on these days. Uh, for example, public companies with public facing websites, there are now, there's now legislation around making web content accessible. And it's been very interesting to see, first of all, how this is on nobody's radar, <laughs> where you have people with cognitive disabilities, with, um, with speech, with reading, with eyesight, with all of these things, just making sure that they can see your content. Like, and it seems so basic, um, and yet it actually needs to be legislated before anybody is, is actually doing anything about it. So it's a major overhauling. I mean, you can imagine how many web pages like us at Sage have, and, and uh, I mean, lots of huge public companies as well. Um, what that means for our redesigns, our branding, our style guide, you know, all of that stuff. But I thought it was very fascinating to, again, have my eyes open to accessibility as part of diversity and inclusion. Basically, just making sure that everybody that wants to do business with us, everybody that we want to see our client, our content is able to. Um, and it seems so basic, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting, an interesting project for sure. Hey, you mentioned Sage, and while we're on that topic, happy oh, yeah. third year anniversary. <laughs> Today, yeah, you mentioned this is your third anniversary. It is, wow. yes. Three Time years. Flies. <laughs> I'll never forget it, my reaction when you told me you're going what and you're you know you're doing what and going where and down and celebrated with me right of Brad? course I did <laughs> hey we stayed friends right that's the thing like who cares about software labels like at the end of the day yeah. it's this little it really is a, a friendly competition that can get a bit you know un, it appears unfriendly but at the end of the day software is software and uh, I, I was very selfish about the news because I was like, well, I'm not going to see you at conferences anymore as often, you know? We well, still I, yeah, but I think part of that is because there aren't, like, there aren't vendor neutral conferences to yes. go to anymore. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about this today because even um, AccountX US had already canceled before all of this COVID stuff and everything like that. And I don't know that they'll be back. And, you know, the finance show, I'm not sure how well that went off in, in Toronto or elsewhere. And, and it's, it's really fascinating to me because I actually think that as a practitioner, those are the shows that you want to go to because that is your opportunity to connect with practitioners regardless of the tools that they use. And I actually think that a lot of content that practitioners receive, especially when it comes to software, is especially apps. It's always through the lens of the accounting software you're using that app with. And in many cases, what that app can do on its own um, is, is skewed by what the APIs are for the accounting software what the partnership level or sponsorship level is with that accounting software. Like there are so many variables in play when it comes to apps that only seeing apps at vendor specific shows is probably not how you, you wanna see them in 
what they themselves are capable of and the teams themselves, you know, are, are able to uh, share with you as a partner. And so I always actually find those the most enlightening um, are the vendor neutral ones. I'd, I'd, I'd love that. Now, do you think there'll be any live shows anytime soon? Any live conferences? I think 2020 seems to be a, what's that? Yeah. I don't think it's as far, as far away as you think. Like you already talked about a show in Ottawa, right? That's that's being scheduled. in November. November. Yeah, it's yeah. in person. Yeah, well, it must yeah, be. it's a two day event. Um, in uh, so scaling new heights also pushed back their dates. I'm, yeah, I'm I got that email today. I, I actually posted about it. I'm a yeah, bit nervous I, about that one. I got to be honest with you. I'm surprised that it took this long to change that. I, I anyway, I I thought they would have maybe not. Anyway. We changed from June to September. He was and then from, September from, it was supposed to be St. Louis in June. Then he moved it to September in Florida and yeah. he's still going to have it in Florida. And, you know, I don't know about you, but Florida's in the news a lot lately and not for the right <laughs> reasons. Um, right. So I, I don't know about that. And, and, you know, I'm not sure he seems to be pushing the envelope because nobody else is really looking to put on a big conference this year. Or at least they're not committing to it yet. Everyone else is just kind of a, let's wait and see how this whole thing shakes out. And yeah. I, to be honest, like as much as, you know, there's issues around the scale of new heights and, and those types of things, I got to give Joe credit for at least trying to get it out there and trying to try to push it because Lord knows I would love to, you know, we're, Brad, you and I are conference junkies, right? Like, it's oh, yeah, I'm going, this like, is the worst year ever for this. Get me, get me into a conference, right? Yeah. Like, and and so I, to, to be honest, I, I I love that they're, and we need people who are going to be pushing the envelope. Otherwise, we're never going to see one again for for three years, probably. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that, and, and Rachel, you probably know, well, you will know better than Andrew or I. How are the software companies looking at it? Are, 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 in-person conferences still a thing or are they going to remain a thing because it felt to me like the conferences we are attending they seem to be losing momentum and there's yeah. lots of talk especially with with leadership changing into it that maybe conferences aren't really as important anymore is that is that the way how does Sage look at it? Well, I can, I'm not gonna, so I don't know what Sage well, saying. Generally speaking, well, you can share with us publicly. On the record, what's Sage saying? <laughs> yeah, you can tell us after when we turn the camera and the recording off. Yeah, yeah no, after, so. Um, so here's what I will say. I will say that even before all of COVID, there were clear shifts happening in the live in-person event world. I also think that there is nothing that compares to being live and present with your network, Great. learning from them, having those conversations, absolutely nothing can replace that. So I think it's still going to have to be a balance. I don't think they can just say, you know, no live events, but I think we may see more events that are maybe a little more intimate, a little more meaningful, um, more yeah. of those regional type events, things like that. More regional. Yeah. So from a, I mean, from a marketing perspective, so for example, we were supposed to have our Sage Summit, which was actually, we were already switching it up a little bit with the, with the changes that were already coming to live events. And we really wanted to do almost a little bit more of an educational retreat as opposed to the big bang type of event. And, um, 
And I was excited about this phenomenal venue in Vernon, BC with the winery, like beautiful. Uh, there are some of us that were going to go down the weekend before to have some kind of R&R &R or, or uh, It's a great place to be. Yeah, beautiful. Um, but what I will say is when, you know, knowing that we had to switch to a virtual event, we still secured all of the same speakers, which I thought was phenomenal that they said, yes, we're still with you. Let's do this. We still had phenomenal sessions, but we were able to reach way more accountants and practitioners than we ever would have been able to at a live event. Um, and so that that's where the conversation gets a little tricky from a corporate marketing perspective is why would we even put all the money into these huge events <laughs> if we know ROI wise, it's actually bigger bang for our buck to not. But I think that as long as we continue to find value, which again is not replaceable in my opinion, with the in-person conversations and networking and, and stuff like that, we will always need that just as humans. <laughs> we'll need that, that personal uh, contact and connection for sure. Well, it's interesting because I was actually on the phone. I don't know, do you know Jamie Dunn from Avalara? Yeah. So I was on the phone with her actually earlier today um, and we were just talking about um, I'm doing some work with, with them. And the problem right now is like, well, these virtual conferences, you, yeah, it's, you know, a lot cheaper to host. You don't have the overhead costs and you don't have the exposure. The problem is it's now the market has been flooded. Like how many emails a day do you get about a web conference or a webinar? Or mm -hmm. Literally two or three a day. It's now, how do you actually stand out? Um, yes. Then, oh, for sure. Right? It like, is yeah. an opportunity for some because all of a sudden you don't need to put on a conference to get your, your word out there. So I think that's why it's getting so flooded, but you're right. Now, how do you decide? Like there's only so, so much time in the day to attend yeah. these things. So yeah, yeah. just yeah. like you're real like, conferences all your time at these conferences, you would be, you wouldn't get any work done, which would defeat the entire purpose of the conferences, which there's that to help you grow your business, right? <laughs> The big intangibles missing in those, and we all know what that is. It's just being with the, you and the me, Brad. That's the big intangible. Yeah, it's yeah. that's the hardest part. I mean, I was I was gung ho for 2020. I mean, I 20, uh, 2019 for Andrew and I was pretty damn special. We got to go to London, and you know, there's San Jose and Toronto ended really well, and it's great to see you there too, um, Rachel, in 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 December. And, you yeah. know, I came into 2020, you know, with some optimism about, about these things. And BC was having a conference, a Get Connected conference out there. And I, I got my Airbnb right away and I had my early bird and I had it all figured out. I was super excited. You know, yeah. I was yeah. more excited for that than I'd been for any conference in a while. And then all this happened. So yeah. I'm just hoping they don't disappear completely. I love what you're saying about the intimate side, because that would be fine because let's face it. We go to some of these massive conferences and one yeah. of my biggest complaints is always, I don't have time to talk to everyone and see everyone. And I miss people all yeah. the time where people say, Oh, I, I saw you in San Jose. It's like, Oh shit, I didn't see you. Or you got <laughs> a minute to go, Hey, how's it going? And, yeah. and you hope you'll see them again and you don't. So I think in a smaller setting, there's a way better opportunity to have, better conversations, more meaningful, and, and yeah. time with yeah. more people. But in the meanwhile, I mean, we'll see. I, of the virtual events that have happened over the last couple of months, I think there are definitely some that are um, better than others uh, or or just 
you know, have, have done a really phenomenal job. I actually think, I know I work there, but I actually think Sage did a phenomenal job with the sessions with the speakers and all of that stuff. Um, accounting salon, it was actually a one it was a day. Good day. It was a one dayer. Man, I liked that, it. My brain hurt <laughs> after that day. I, I was there was, the whole day, Rachel. I really I was, thought that I, it was a fantastic day. Yeah. And you had like a little bit of time between each session. And I think it ran Ten for like minutes. eight or five minutes straight. But it was phenomenal content. It was a great and day. Not see anywhere else. Um, just again, the, the combination of speakers. But again, it's vendor neutral. So yeah. you've got somebody from Zero and somebody from QBO both doing a session on Zapier, for example, sorry, Zapier, for example. Or you know, you've got different people from different backgrounds or different firm sizes. Um, like I think it was Dan Schmidt did a phenomenal job talking all about um, the customer experience. And oh no, it was that one was um, sorry, uh, Kristen Iseraldo and uh, Brian Clare did a phenomenal job, basically talking about giving your clients the Disney customer service experience, which is phenomenal. And you're just not going to see those speaker pairings or though that content at typical industry events. Um, so that was. That was really great too. Yeah, it was a good day. I, I enjoyed it. It set a bar very high actually because I attended another one not long after it and it just just was like one it just moved through too quickly. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that Amanda and David were kind of the MCs for the day. They kind yeah. of took turn tag term and being MC and, and they were both great at it and yeah. it kept me interested. Cause it's yeah. like, oh, I get PD hours, but who cares? You know, I just want to listen. <laughs> and it's like every session was like, this is the best session. Yeah. And then go yeah. to the next session. This is the best session. <laughs> and, and Andrew will know my story. When I go to conferences, I play hooky a lot. So getting me to sessions in the first place is a challenge. So if I actually spend a whole day um, in these sessions, that's, that's, that's huge because yeah, that it's hard. That is a nice change, isn't it? To actually attend, to actually learn something. That's one of the good but, things about a virtual conference for you and I, we actually attend the, we attend our sessions. Yeah, but think about it. When when Intuit had their their uh, conference, um, virtual conference, um, Tanya Hilt set up a Zoom room for people to just hang out throughout the day, cool. and I, that's where I spent my whole time yeah. hanging out with my friends. You found a way to hallway, just like I always do. Like that's kind of been our, my trademark um last year in san jose we had the we called it the canada corner or commonwealth corner it was just where we all hung out yeah and I do like that concept for a virtual conference of like getting a zoom room so like you're also yes. adding because that's sort of kind of not really but kind of like it so well we were done by i think six o'clock eastern <laughs> that day so you know that's not like it <laughs> that part of it is and people bail pretty quickly but i think you could make you know an evening thing of it you could have some events maybe play some games or whatever we keep hearing about these there's there's things that could be done yeah but let's just hope that you know this is the last year we have to deal with this in 2021 we can start yeah. hanging out again now we're, yeah. we're, we're coming up on only like five minutes left and there was one important question i did want to ask rachel which is oh no uh, well, it's, it's nothing controversial. It's just, he waited to the end. <laughs> when, when we were we were talking with Twyla, and we had a great yeah. conversation, and we, we got into, and I don't even remember if it was on the after show or, or if it was during the show, but just a, con a conversation about like what content we're sick of hearing at conferences and what, <laughs> what, what content we want to hear more. Trusted advisor. 
trusted advisor, advisory, value billing. Uh, we've heard it, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and like, it's not that it's a bad message. It's just we've heard it. We've heard it. We've heard it. Yeah. What, what content would you love to start seeing? What do you think we're not, we're not seeing enough of as far as content? Well, I, I think that, I mean, first of all, that's a really great question. So thank you for making me think this hard this close to midnight <laughs> on Friday night. Um, but I think that, I think it, so one of the challenges and one of the reasons why Accounting Salon was actually born, and I put the link in the chat there, was because it's like, where do the conference speakers go to learn stuff? Where do, like, the reason why you can probably skip most of those sessions, Brad, is because you've heard them a million times over, True. right? Going yes. for the networking or you're going for the brainstorming. You're not going, you know, to hear about advisory services over and over again. True. And yet, there still are those that are either new enough to the industry or simply haven't been exposed to this part of it, that it is still new. I think that one of the things that we don't do well as an industry is we talk about ideologies, we talk really high level, and when it comes to practitioners that are usually very rule-based, <laughs> that are give me a task list and I'll check off the boxes, what we aren't doing enough of is explaining how to do it. When, it was, when I was in my own practice and I knew that value pricing completely made sense or value billing, however you want to talk about it, um, I, cause everybody gets offended that it means things terribly different and it doesn't. Um, but that everyone was raving about it. Um, I especially loved, you know, accounting software people telling me that I had to do it and they had never had a client in their life. So that's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> software company people don't do that. Okay. Um, but nobody, even those who reportedly in practice had adopted these things themselves and we're doing a phenomenal job and we're making a million dollars, whatever. Nobody could tell me how. <laughs> Nobody could tell exactly. me what the is. And so we need to stop talking like high level theories and we just need to get super practical. And, and I think we just jumped the gun. Um, now this of course can be done by those who are in practice, practice who have done it, right? Who have made the mistakes that other people can learn from. And that's like, uh, we've talked about this, Andrew, and even building a community, right? Mm -hmm. Is just sharing the mistakes that you've made and hoping other people learn from them. And it's <laughs> it's so basic, it's, it's not rocket science. Um, but I, I do think that there's a lot of things that accounting firm people don't talk about. We don't talk enough about making really fantastic customer experiences. We don't talk enough about um, really setting yourself apart so you don't look like every other firm website out there, really finding those differentiators and leaning into them and, and doing a great job. So I think there's way more that we could be doing on kind of that marketing side without it feeling too scammy. Um, but I think we just need to get down to the basics of, let's just get practical with with the sessions that we're doing and with the, the content that we're putting out there. It's too bad Lisa Channel's not listening in tonight because that's what she limps for, is workshops and and We may have, actually, we may have chatted yeah. about that several times. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. That's her dream is, is to go off to some island somewhere on a retreat with her friends and learn about cool stuff all day. Yeah, it's accounting, sure. but you know what we need. That's all. Yeah, Audrey in the comments, sorry, just put a security and working in the cloud remotely. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there are those sessions at most of these conferences. Again, you, you will find that topic. So, um, but Audra, if you need uh, any specific content, just tag me on something and, and we can connect and I can get you some information for sure. Yeah. Um, well, once again, surprise, surprise. Time flies. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> it uh, does. Thank you again for joining us, Rachel. It Great was to see you, Rachel. Always. Thanks for joining Great us. Thanks, guys. And thank you for continuing the conversation on an important topic. Absolutely. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll get you back here again. Awesome. We'd love that. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye for now.